This show is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron sends gourmet recipes and all the fresh ingredients you need to make them right to your door. And our listeners get their first two meals free. Just go to blueapron.com slash badchristian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Hey, folks. How's it going? Matt here. Yeah, the music's not playing because I'm trying to set a different tone than our normal episodes. Toby and I are on the road, and so we've relied on our best buddy in the world, Joey, to make a special episode. This is another episode of A Pastor with No Answers, which is eventually going to be its own podcast that Joey does with his brother, Jared. That's right, I said Jared, because that's the way Joey says it. Anyway, I'm not going to get in the way too much. Joey's going to intro the episode and tell you what's going on. But yes, this is the Bad Christian Podcast for today. This episode is about Calvinism. What is up with that? All right, here we go. Joey, take it away. Alright guys, welcome to the show, hanging out, Joey and Jared, we've been brothers now for almost 38 years, starting with when I was born, because obviously before I was born, we weren't brothers. Now, for those of you that believe that conception um, begins with, or, or life begins with conception, then we've been brothers for... 38 years almost 39 because when i was a zygote jared had a little brother that he couldn't interact with couldn't touch couldn't look at couldn't you know hear and stuff but he still had a little brother so in fact i'm i'm a little concerned with the state of church state of our christian faith that even though my son is turning three in august i don't consider him three years and nine months like maybe birthdays should should have a different meaning here. Yeah, I think in the Chinese culture, don't they actually celebrate? I think they actually celebrate your birthday when you were conceived. I'm pretty sure. Dang. That's yeah. Pretty, pretty are you sure. serious? Wrong, but I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but that's, that's well, people. They, people they are. That. Yeah, people are googling it now. So. Um, yeah, we were actually talk. Yeah, before we hit record, we we're actually talking about y- your kids and your. Your oldest child, my one out of two of my nieces, um, 13 years old. I can't even believe that, man. That's a very sobering, scary, messed up thought. Yeah, and like I, mean, I, actually, I actually remember getting a voicemail when I was living in Iowa, summer of 2004, and it melted my heart because it was really kind of like the first time I heard like my niece actually saying my name and saying things to me like as like a a person that can think but she was still only two and so it's just crazy man well now she's talking about driving like that that really scares me because driving is a scary thing especially i-95 down here it's like a war zone so the the idea of her getting in it behind the wheel and driving like a 95 just scares the hell out of me so right you know that that's that's like her thing now that's that's right on the horizon that's what she's looking forward to is driving (laughs) and another funny thing is my my younger daughter who's turning 10 in a few weeks she just called herself a tween today Uh, what is a tween (laughs) A tween is like in between, I think it's like between 10 and, 10 and 13, so you're not quite a teenager anymore, but you're also not single digits. So becoming a tween is apparently a thing these days, which I, that was bizarre. <laughs> I was like, what? So, <laughs> so she's a tween. <laughs> well, here's, so, what yeah. I, here's what I've been told by people who have gone from birth to 18 and beyond is 
you're talking right now about how this time has flown by and they say unfortunately for us it's going just to just go by even faster from this point on and I, that's when i'm just like you shut up like i don't want yeah, to i can't that. i can't fathom that because yeah. it's already gone so fast so yeah it's, yeah. it's nuts it's crazy because um i this this week i've been dropping uh gwenny off uh, Gwenny, uh, for those of you that don't know, she is my soon-to-be seven-year-old. She turns seven next month. Now, Jared, I've been dropping her off at the Citadel for soccer camp. So okay. the other day, the other day, I told her, I said, you know, I I remember when your uncle Jared came to this same field for soccer camp, and to her, that's like, wow, that's that's pretty crazy. And to me, it's crazy too, because it's just like. It just seems like yesterday, and I'm riding with mom to drop you off for soccer camp, and now I'm driving my daughter. All right, so what makes this a little crazy is I saw mom and dad, they they came to the field to watch Gwenny's last day, and I asked them, I said, hey, you remember Jared going to soccer camp? Now, you're going to have to tell me if this is true. She said that, yes, she remembers, and the last game that they came and watched you were being humiliated to such a degree like and 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 in her mind it was the coach's fault for putting you in a position of like yeah we'll show jared you know what it what it's like to be a man or something something like that to where they were scoring so many goals on you because you were the goalie that you actually cried out to mom and dad for help almost (laughs) like a mom dad like do something is that true I I think it's true, and I can say this definitively. I was scarred for life from that camp in Are two you ways. Serious? I I attribute my social anxiety to that camp because those guys were dicks. Number one. Oh and my mom, gosh. And what mom what mom is saying, I'm sure is true. I don't really remember it so well, but I do remember being humiliated. I do remember being miserable. And the second thing that scarred me for life is I remember being in the locker room and I was hearing kind of a weird humming noise. So I peeked around the corner. And I saw one of the coaches blow drying his pubes, and that also <laughs> scarred me for life. <laughs> so yes, that was a very harrowing experience. That entire week was this hell for sure. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so yeah. All right, so I, I, I'm taking the latter is somewhat of a joke, but are you? No, it's so serious, you re- serious. Oh, so that scarred you? You 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 keep thinking no, no, about okay. that dude blow dry- No, no, no. Okay, you're right about that. That's, that didn't scar me, but I guess I guess it temporarily scarred me. I thought it was kind of weird. But yeah, yeah for, for all serious all seriousness, I definitely think my fear of playing sports throughout you know fifth grade through high school can go directly back to that for sure because they, they really did not have and I don't want I don't want it sound like I'm a wuss, but I think the way they treated me definitely did more harm than it did good. So I did not have a good yeah. experience. So and do you rem- do you remember do you remember that last day that mom seems I, to recall? I don't know the specifics, but I definitely remember being humiliated. I don't really know the exact details, but yeah, it was terrible. I know that I was miserable, and I felt really bad about myself, and I was glad to get the hell out of there. So yeah, it was not Golly. good. And that was a spend the night <laughs> camp sure. too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. But socially, well, they- socially, it wasn't bad. I mean, I did. De- I definitely made friends. I was with friends, so it wasn't that part. It was definitely the coaches, a hundred percent the coaches. Gotcha. So, All right. So the million dollar yeah. question: When you when you came home after that week, did you play Atari or Nintendo? Dude, Atari all the way, man. It was Atari. Oh, yeah, it was second grade. 
Oh, second grade. Good God. Second grade. I was young. Dang. Yeah. yeah. Golly. Yeah. Well, crazy. Sorry that happened, man. Uh, That's all right. <laughs> God is good. <laughs> there you go. And and now here you are uh, exposing some of your deepest beliefs to thousands of people. So you've come a long way from those coaches. <laughs> I guess you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to keep rolling here, guys. But let me tell you just for a second, got to talk about Blue Apron. And the reason i got to talk about it is because it's so great. Uh, my wife and I, Bridget, we get this. We get three meals a week from Blue Apron. So let me give you a tip. You can get this and then make it for your spouse. I don't care if it's a guy who wants to make it, a wife wants to make it, whatever. You do it for your spouse, they're going to be impressed. It's one of our favorite things. We trade off on who makes the food. It's excellent. And you know what? We also got some friends that are single, and it works great for them because they'll cook the meal, and then they'll have the leftover. Either way, you don't have to run out to the store after you get home, figure out what you're going to cook, and then you don't have to be a master chef because Blue Apron plans the meals out for you. They give you all the ingredients. They're packaged super well, and they give you clear instructions and pictures, and it looks exactly like the pictures, and it tastes even better than you can imagine. Cooking takes about a half hour, and shipping is flexible. Flexible and free, and the menus are always new. They won't send the same meal twice. They work around your schedule and dietary preferences, and Blue Apron's experts source only the best seasonal ingredients for incredible meals. Here's a couple we got coming this week. Buttermilk oven fried chicken with coleslaw and biscuits and honey drizzle. And we got another one. Crusted fish with curry Thai basil sauce over green lentils. Fancy stuff. Simple stuff for you to make, and you'll love it. So I want you to check out this week's menu and get your first two meals free by going to blueapron.com slash badchristian. It's our treat, really. The first two meals are on us when you go to blueapron.com slash badchristian. All right, we're going to join our guests here in a second, but before we do that, let me make a little statement. All right, so we're going to be talking about Calvinism and predestination and that versus free will. And we're not bringing on like this seminary reform professor who's been studying and teaching this topic for longer than we've been alive. Now, those guests will be coming on the podcast at some point and we'll be talking about this subject once again in the future. I'm positive of that. But today is an example of what this podcast is primarily about, and that's real conversation from not necessarily experts, but people that really have a a strong opinion or a a strong, might I use the trendy trite word, passion uh, for a particular topic. So no experts on the Reformed theology, although I'm going to say that our guest who represents that point of view does a pretty daggone job uh, arguing some of their points. So here we go with our guests. Guys, welcome. We have our two guests joining me and my big brother, Jared, who gave me a life full of noogies and wet willies and wedgies. So uh, I don't think Chip and Toby are going to be doing that to me. Hopefully not. But here's the deal. So Toby, you guys, I would never touch your body. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would say the vast majority of people listening right now, you know who Toby Morell is. He uh, is a friend of mine from college, and um, he's messed around with some music here and there in the music industry. Uh, you guys may have heard of Emery. And he's also on the Bad Christian Podcast, and nobody really likes him that much. Chip yeah. Judd, on the other hand, is like the most likable character you'll ever meet. Uh, he is 
if there was a second category right after Jesus and then the rest of us, he would occupy that place. So Toby, like, you listening to that, man? I know. <laughs> I think he's probably – I've always had a strange suspicion that Chip Judd is like that awesome, nice guy now. He's older. But I feel like when he was 20, he would have just been maybe – one of the meanest dudes around. <laughs> I was I was too high to be mean. That, hey, was, but, that was the seventies, man. <laughs> you don't even remember that decade. No. <laughs> kind of a blur. So a little background on Chip Chip. Um I mean if if you want to get if you want to put it on paper now, I mean he he pretty much could fire Toby and I at any point during this conversation. He's kind of yep. in that place of authority at Seacoast Church. Uh, he probably he will. Really I great. thought that's what I was here for. Right. <laughs> You're going to do that yeah. in front of everybody. Cool. <laughs> uh, but he really is. Uh, he's he's meant a lot to me in my life and uh, really awesome to talk to. Has some pretty convicted uh, ways of thinking about the Bible and God and everything. And so today we are going to be talking about the ever debated question of predestination and free will. So. What I would like to try to do right now, Jared. By the way, how you doing, man? Sorry, I'm doing Sorry. swell. Thanks for asking. Awesome, awesome. So, what I'd like to try to do right now is to keep the topic initially uh, with the topic of salvation, or or in the category of salvation. So, when we're talking about predestination, free will, this can easily turn into a general discussion on how you know God chooses to intervene in in just the day to day life, but. Right now, and it may move into a more broader way of, of talking, the question is, does God predetermine whether or not someone goes to heaven or hell? In other words, do we as human beings have any say whatsoever as to where we go? The traditional Calvinist predestination answer to that would be, no, we have no say. God chooses, and we have we, we have no control over the situation where the opposite side free will would say, no, we have a choice. And uh, so let's take two minutes and I'm going to be a stickler with those two minutes as far as where we're all coming from. You don't have to get to two minutes if you don't want to, but that's your max. So opening statement, Jared Svensson, hit it up, baby. Okay. So hope, okay. I hope this doesn't sound like a cop-out, but I guess I'm kind of agnostic in that I don't know for sure. I think... Whoa, boring. Whoa, you're an agnostic? No, I mean, I'm in this, regards I'm, to this I'm topic. That's a, that's a different <laughs> episode, Jared. Jared, <laughs> this way different episode, brother. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I understood. All right, thank you, Chip. Uh, so I, I've been wrestling with this. I've been reading about this a lot. I, I really do feel in my heart, I guess I'm more of a free will person. There are a lot of like philosophical reasons why I'm not uh, totally 100% sold on predestination because it seems to me if you take it to its logical extreme, God basically created evil, and that's not in his character. I do realize there are plenty of verses that seem, seem to lend itself to a predestination interpretation. So I guess the one way I can, I can sort of reconcile this is that we are very finite, four-dimensional creatures, and so God's vision, his perspective transcends that to where we don't really understand it. We, we can basically say predestination and free will and both be right because ultimately we, we can't really understand fully what's going on in salvation. So I guess it's kind of a cop-out answer because while I say I don't know, I can also say at the same time they're both right because us being finite earthbound creatures, we can't fully see the way God sees it. And I think there is room for interpreting both and being correct. That probably made absolutely no sense, 
But I think no, no, no. But I, but I think I mean the Bible gives us it's seemingly to me two very different looks on salvation. They seem irreconcilable. That's why I have to think that outside of our limited purview, they are reconcilable, and that they actually both can, can coexist at the same time. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, now, one thing I didn't mention about Toby is he is a mentor of uh, Norman Geisler and uh, J.I. Packer, especially with this uh, subject matter. So, Toby, let's hear it, baby. Okay. Well, Joey brought me on here to be like the hardcore Calvinist guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I'm really not. It's really funny. This morning I was actually listening to a sermon uh, by a Calvinist pastor, and I was like, yeah, I can't totally go here with this guy. It just is a little bit much. But I would say as far as salvation, um, for me, I would, I think I would tend to land on the Calvinist side because uh, a couple of, of things, or at least one big one that stands out to me, is that if Jesus Christ died for everybody, right, um, and it if you're Arminian, you say died for all, or if you're Calvinist, you say, well, maybe that just he's just using a a large term or whatever. For all could just mean whatever. The, the same way as they used to say, uh, Caesar Augustus called the whole world to to come and register for the census or whatever. They didn't mean the whole world; they just meant the people that were there. You could you could argue that semantics or whatever of it, but um, I would say for me, the thing that I I just don't like about the Arminian side or the free will side is. Jesus died for you, but that death means nothing until you do your part and believe in him. So that this powerful God that we serve, the creator of all things, has done has even become human form, died for our sins, became sin on the cross, and yet still that's not enough. It still requires you to go, okay, I'll believe that. And so with that being said, that crux right there makes me a little iffy on the free will thing. Even stretching out, we can talk more about that in a little bit. But I just, I really don't see how I need to do something. I mean, God does not need me. He does not need me in anything. But yet, that's the whole basis of my salvation. God needs me to say I believe in him. Hmm. Gotcha. I'm really, really wanting to ask you questions right now. But I'm going to stick with the rules. And uh, Man, you are great. You're a great he's moderator. A stickler. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh my simple answer is I, I do not think that our salvation is predetermined. I think now God can do what he wants, and I feel strongly like if, if he's God and he chooses to operate that way, I'm going to worship him because uh, I don't have a choice. I'm going to worship God. But for God to create so a Calvinist, what, <laughs> for God to create some people to receive his love forever and then other people to be tortured forever goes against everything God has revealed of himself. And, uh, you know, I mean, doesn't that make him evil and totally no mercy? So the Bible says God is love. And then if we use Paul's letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, as a def- definition of what love is, one of the characteristics is it doesn't dishonor others. And I can't see anything more dishonoring than to make someone in your own image but then say, yeah, no chance to escape eternal judgment. I'm making you in my image and you're going to go to hell, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't choose me even if you want to. I think a lot of verses in the Bible, like I agree with Jared, comes across kind of from a predestination standpoint. But I think that if we think about the Bible and the fact that it's coming from an omniscient God that knows everything, of course it's going to come across sometimes as, wow, that sounds like things are predetermined. Uh, Duh, you're talking to a God that knows everything. And remember, God is communicating to us in our human language that is very finite 
he's communicating to us as human beings and there is a limitation to what we can you know understand and what we can um you know just grasp so i also believe his thoughts and ways are higher than ours uh, <coughs> Cop out. To, go ahead <laughs> to isaiah and uh I would have to include salvation into thoughts and ways that are higher than ours. We can't we can't interpret scripture perfectly. How dare we assume we can have salvation completely figured out? So, a little bit of a mystery in there, but I do not think God predetermines things. And I went over by five seconds. Sorry, Chip, Great. Judd. All right, um, I'll just ramble a few thoughts at you. Um, I think it was C.S. Lewis, I think, who said something along these lines that no matter how all this pans out that in the end God will have proven himself to be fair. And uh, I believe that with all my heart, that whatever, whatever, whatever the reality is on these particular issues and some others that are a little tricky, uh, I, I've tasted God's heart enough to know that he's fair, good, kind, and all that. Now, having said that, um, uh, like here's a, here's a couple things that have shaped my thinking. Um, foreknowledge, in other words, knowing something ahead of time is not the same as predetermination. I can know how a book's going to end, but that doesn't mean I wrote the book. So, so that whole God knows, therefore he meant for it to happen just doesn't work for me. Yeah. And we can talk more about the whole God being in control if you want to in a minute. But So foreknowledge and predestination are not the same thing in my mind. Um, uh, I'm, I don't, I, somehow down through church history, we've got this weird little dichotomy where you've, you've either got to be a Calvinist or an Armenian. I don't yeah. like either one of them. Um, I like. I mean, there's a couple of tenets of both of them that I would probably agree with, but I don't like the the the, the posturing of either one of them. Um, so I refuse to be labeled as either one of them. Um, you know, the whole thing about salvation. Well, you, you know, all you have to do is believe this one little thing. You know, God's done everything else. All you have to add is your little belief. Well, to me. The way you define a problem shapes your solution to the problem. So if we think about what the ultimate, what was the initial and ultimate problem back in Genesis chapter 3, I believe it's independence. The ultimate problem God had to deal with was our independence and self-reliance. What's at the heart and soul of responding to the gospel is the stark, cold, harsh realization that I cannot save myself. And... I, I think that's a fair deal. All God's saying is, I will give you everything I have, but you have to admit you can't get there on your own. And that's, that's I can live with that. Yeah. So when I hear, oh, you just believe to be saved, that's an, an evangelical, uh, grossly uh, distil, distilled version of something that's just a teeny bit more complicated than that. Gotcha. So... Toby, let's revisit that. What I mean, Great. what is your problem with us receiving a gift? And here's one thing that I've heard some Calvinists say. And it's like, well, wait a second. We, we, we don't even have good, like we're totally uh, deprived and we can't even receive a gift because that's a righteous act. And I don't see receiving a gift as being equivalent as a righteous act. If, I, if, if my son misbehaves all day, but I decide to give him ice cream, you know, for supper as a gift to show daddy's grace for him. That's not a righteous act for him to eat it. That doesn't make him any good. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you have a problem with us receiving a gift? 
No, that, that's what I'm saying. I, I think that's what it is. I think God does everything and we do nothing. I mean, we just do receive a gift. Yeah, but we have, to, we have to decide to receive it. Yeah, isn't receiving doing something? Well, I, would, I don't think you get a choice in that. It, it would seem to me that you don't really have a choice in receiving that gift. It's just God said, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. What, I'm, uh, I so made, how are you uh, not a hardcore Calvinist? I don't. <laughs> well, yeah, one, I mean that that would that would be what they call prevenient well, grace, which right. which I don't have a problem in in some senses with that. But well, I would. I, I mean, I think for me, all I the number one thing I do not like is that I feel like if Jesus had to come here, uh, like I was saying before, and it, the only way we could be saved, we are. Uh, not in relationship with Christ or God anymore. Adam and Eve sin that that now has been infected all of us. We're all sinners, and we cannot. Uh, there's no one that can be just. Our works are meaningless. You know they they can't impress God. They can't. We can't get past what we have done. There has to be an actual uh, redemption to be done. And so Jesus did that. So God did that for us. He created us. He did everything for us. And so I, I guess. Um, to, and we, I mean, we probably are moving into the idea of free will as well, but just staying on the salvation part, I don't, I just, I mean, no, I understand, I, I like what you guys are saying. It sounds nice. It sounds good. And it kind of gives you some warm feelings that, oh man, you know what? I heard the gospel. Uh, here you go with your changed. emotional BS trying to make us out. No, but to I mean, follow but, scripture. But, but I'm just saying, like, you, you related God to being evil. If, and we've talked about this before, Joey, but you, you related God to being evil, and you, uh, you know, he, he would, or Jared too, maybe, was talking about God would have somehow created evil if that was the case. Um, and I just, I, I really believe, just like you said, through our, we, we can only understand the Bible so much through our limited brains. I think we can only understand God's morality and goodness in limited means either. And then we, re, we put that on ourselves because you say, how could God create somebody in his own image and then send them to hell? That sounds horrible. It's the, it's the most horrifying thing you could ever think of in your in the whole world. But how could you create your son and then your son becomes a, a serial killer and you kill him? I mean, you would you would do that. So in in that in those terms, I'm I'm saying we all deserve punishment. We all, no matter what, it just doesn't sound as good. Uh, you know, coming from a God, the invisible God in the sky, it doesn't sound like, oh man, we, you, do we really deserve See, hell? The funny, That's the funny thing too thinking. is I, I agree with Toby, I think theologically, but when it comes to emotionally and apologetically, that's where I have to go to free will because I think for my own personal relationship with God, if I start really holding on to these predestination ideas, then I know it's, it could be me being a flawed person, but I really have a hard time with that emotionally. And then also apologetically, if I'm trying to reach someone who's unsaved, who's not a Christian, who maybe is an atheist, and I start saying that, yeah, we're predestined to follow God, that's going to fall on deaf ears. So it's kind of weird how I'm dividing myself up into three different ways. You know, I have the theological way of looking at it, which I think Toby could be rightly interpreting scripture, but then emotionally, apologetically, I have to divorce myself from that and go free will. So I don't know. It's it's tough. Yeah, but a, a, Calvin, a Calvinist would say you don't tell them that people are predestined. You just let the Holy Spirit save them, and then they'll find out sooner or later. I want to quote <laughs> shit. Surprise! Quote, yeah, yeah. You hey. you wouldn't choose God if he were. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There is no choice. You it wouldn't be a problem for you. You would go. Oh, that guy preaching on the corner. Well, he's a dummy. I'm moving on. You. It's not like you you live your life a Christian and God sent you to hell. You don't you don't have anything to do no, with I God. Get, you don't no, care I get about that. It. I'm saying though that from a personal relationship standpoint, 
it's hard for me to embrace those ideas. Let me ask Chip something. I've heard him say but, oh, this before. Did, I just want to. Can go I ahead. answer that? What yeah. Jared just said, just real quick. Yeah, I do go ahead. Wanna, Take I, over. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, 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 that is my point. I really believe we are looking at it in very limited I human. I totally form. agree. Be- be- because that that is an emotional yes. thing where you go, oh man, could God do that? Yes. Now, that sounds so bad. But is it actually bad? That's just us calling God bad, right? Not not and like like for example, right now somebody's dying a horrible death in Bali. I do not care. I have zero care. I'm not sweating it. I'm sitting here talking with you guys, enjoying you know privileged white America, and I don't have that issue. But the idea of oh well, God, you know, says. He, everybody doesn't go to heaven. Like I, I could have a problem with that. that. That's what I'm saying. Like my, in one way, I'm I'm totally okay with whatever's going on in the rest of the world, even. Uh, but when it comes to God, I better give everybody the benefit of the doubt. That's where I get. I'm just like I think that's our view, not God's goodness. And God is always just. He's always just. So that's why I trust him. And that's that, a pres- not me thinking he's bad. That's exactly why I could agree with you theologically. Yes. Yeah. I. I, reading the Bible from Genesis. Thank you, Jared. Revelation. I just won Jared over. Jared is a no. I'm not. I've already told you. I've divided myself up. <laughs> no, no, no. Going back, buddy. I love you being on this side. Welcome. You are welcomed here, and I believe you're elect. <laughs> Thank you, Toby. <laughs> so I've heard. Uh, I've heard Chip say uh, very emphatically and very serious that if if Calvinism is true, you don't want to serve a God like that. Yeah, I mean. Uh, if the if you take the tenets of it and and push them out to their limits, uh, in other words, God line up ten people and four of them over here were born into mothers and fathers cares concerns needs everything like the rest of us, but they're going to die, uh, Jesus without Christ and yeah. whatever. Um, I just don't think I, I, it doesn't work for me. The whole idea that God has has created beings that like that to me. You know, Toby did something to you earlier about cop out. Um, you know, John three sixteen for God so loved the world, and I've heard uh, Pink, what's his name, uh, um, one of the big Calvinist writers. Oh, Joel Osteen. <laughs> no, and, and I've I've heard them. I've heard them. You know, kind of dodge. Well, that didn't. Re- he didn't really mean the whole world. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, gee, Jesus. I guess he he just couldn't think of a better word to use. Yeah. So. I just think, like, I don't believe in free will, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, Because I don't believe you get to pick the family you're born into, which therefore creates the environment which you grow up in, which therefore creates what I would call your startup set of life skills. I don't think we start equal in our capacity to recognize and respond to truth, wisdom, uh, all kinds of things that are available to us. So I just think it's, it's more complicated and um, I, I, I'm unable to say that God predetermines um, before someone's even born whether or not. Now, does he know? I don't have any problem that he knows, yeah. but I have a problem that he predetermines it. So when you, because I, I think there is a bunch of free will scriptures and there's a bunch of uh, Calvinism scriptures. What I mean by that is some that points to predestination, some that points to free will. What do you do, Chip, with the predestination scriptures like? You didn't choose me. I chose you. Um, I think it's in Ephesians. I mean, that I predestined you. And, I mean, there's just all sorts of language. How how do you read that? Well, like even Romans 9 where it talks about Israel and Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Um, There's no doubt about it. There's some tricky scriptures to get your head around. But 
and again, I, semantics. I I don't use the term free will. Yeah, I just think there's more involved in it. Um, but the way I get around it is just taking the my sense of the bigness of the story that we're in, the bigness of the 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 events of 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 Genesis, the events of Calvary, the events following that, and um, I think it. I don't have any problem with God using a person to accomplish a task. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think he created Pharaoh so that he could harden his heart. Right. He did harden his heart. Clearly the Bible says that he did, but I don't know that hardening his heart wasn't the accumulated effect of the life and culture in which he lived, which if I'm God, anything that happens, I'm sort of responsible for. Right. Because if I struck the original match, there's nothing that happens in that fire I didn't cause. So in a sense, he's directly and indirectly responsible for everything that happens. Yeah. Do y'all think that there is a possibility, this is an interesting, or I think it's interesting, theory, that Calvinism could be true from this standpoint. If God knows how people are going to respond to the Holy Spirit... Uh, revealing himself, then why wouldn't he only reveal himself to the people that he knows would respond? So in other words, all of us that are Christians, the Holy Spirit convicted our hearts only because he knew we would respond. All the other people that would not respond to the Holy Spirit, he didn't even bother because God's perfect, perfect in knowledge. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's just... I think that goes kind of with what Chip's saying because Chip agrees with the idea of foreknowing so you could right. say in a sense that God predestined through his foreknowledge. And to me, that's kind of a nice middle ground between the two maybe extremes. So I, mean, I like that no idea. Ways, yeah, there's no two ways about it. God, if if we adhere to what we would probably consider classical Christianity, God knew somebody's going to end up in hell. Right. So did he there, did, you know, honestly, I have a little file that I have questions I'm looking forward to asking and talking to God about, and that's right. one of them. You can't take it to heaven, remember? Well, I don't know. I think I can. But, I mean, one of my questions is going to be, God, if you knew one person, one, right. was going to spend eternity in hell, why did you create any of us? Right. And I believe he will have a good answer. Yeah. But I don't think the answer is as black and white as, well, I created some for this and some for that. Yeah. Um, if, if you, I think if you, to, go ahead, go ahead Toby. I'm sorry. No, no. I didn't know you were done. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to do is complicate the, the thing a little bit, probably, because for me— there's there's a marked level of irresponsibility in our posturing, not us personally, but the church at large, because I think there's a lot of other factors that come into play. One of the biggest things that kept me away from responding positively to the gospel was the people who carried it. So here was this beautiful, amazing, powerful, life-changing message about this glorious God who has a great plan for my life, and it was being carried and communicated through these uptight, rigid, racist, just not very nice people. So somewhere in there, I'm, I'm of the belief that it's there's just other factors that come into play that God's computer is big enough to factor in. Now, am I saying, oh, so you can get to heaven without Jesus? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying... I'm not comfortable we just have this blanket thing. Well, whoever gets saved, God meant to get saved. Whoever didn't get saved, he didn't mean to get saved. Yeah. I just can't live with that. Yeah. All right, Toby, what were you going to say? Well, well, two things for me where I struggle and, and really do end up 
saying I can't go with uh, Calvinism fully is that, like, even this morning listening to a sermon while I was setting, I was actually setting up uh, all of our musical equipment at our church, and, and I was just listening to the sermon, and it just struck me. The uh, pastor was, was preaching the sermon. It was really well thought out, really intelligent. I really enjoyed it, even just from a, a learning standpoint. But he just kept talking about God has a unbelievable passion for his own glory to be shown and to be known and uh that that is he he, like even even within that he almost cares more about his glory being shown than our lives like he even went so far as to say god doesn't like he's not upset when somebody goes to hell or anything and i can't go there because i do believe at the heart of all of this god created us as his children or you know as his creation adam and eve thought oh this is you know this is amazing this is this is something that i created that i love and i'm i cre- i'm creating it to pour my love out on it and so i was I, that whole idea of just god's glory and that almost immediately makes me see think that his point can be good because if god only cares about his glory then he actually does need us because who else sees it he actually needs humans in order for his glory to be recognized or else it's just him and jesus and the holy spirit and so he actually has to create beings to respect his glory, that is where it gets a little iffy. And then my, the biggest issue I have that I don't understand, and this goes into the free will aspect. Hey, of, can I stop uh, you real quick right there? Don't you think that's yep. um, a double standard for you as far as saying you're basically labeling a certain morality that God has to have? You're right. I agree. I mean, so you're, so you're emotionally having trouble with that concept. Yes, I am, because you're you're right. Just like you said before, if God does only care about his glory, I, I will submit to it because he's God. Yeah, I but mean, I think I, I've no, said, what Toby's saying, though, has some, some validity to it. He's saying that oh, I agree. it's almost like God needs us for his glory to be shown too, whereas we all believe, I pro- probably so, that, that God does not need us. So it does seem kind of weird. Like it doesn't... Yeah, yeah, that seems, yeah it really does. And then the idea of... Adam and Eve in the garden being able to sin. Like, what is that? That That is the biggest, uh, I, I won't use bad language here, but it blows my mind. <laughs> it messes with my mind because I don't, uh, I don't understand what that moment of what that is. Like, walking with God in the garden, being with God, seeing God's goodness, feeling his love, him equipping you with jobs and with work and with with companionship and fellowship and all this stuff and then there was something and, and like chip said i actually it, it, that i think that nails it on the head that we needed to to be our, our ourselves and out on our own um and i that idea of that pride or whatever hey i, I need that knowledge i need the knowledge of, of of good and evil i need it because even though you say i don't i do and to kind of like be out on our own, but I don't know what that is. That that is the whole thing where where Jared, I go back to your point of there has to be something there. If God knew all that and He's creating us for His glory, it seems like a blunder. Yeah, and it seems like God you know God I mean? is the author of sin. Yeah, I mean it, that's what it, it, that's it, what keeps me from going full fledged into the predestination camp because if Adam and Eve walk with God and tasted God of His goodness, and then God just said, "Okay, you're going to sin now." The origin of sin and evil came from God, not Adam and Eve, not from a rebellious right. heart. So that's that's what really right. is my stumbling block with predestination. But no, I mean, no matter what, uh, we as Christians have to we have to throw our hands up in the air at some point because I think it goes back to to Chip's observation of why did he even create anyone? I mean, why if he knew that Adam and Eve was going to mess up and some people would be separated from God forever because of it? Why? So 
All right, so I want to throw out... Uh, Can I say something about that yeah. question? Yeah. All right, for me, the question you just you just emphasize is is has become the key to everything for me because you can you can you can approach it lots of ways in the context of our conversation or i'll set it up even a a tad differently you know you 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 say to somebody do you do you want to be a person who fulfills god's will for your life yes well then that must mean you want to achieve the purpose complete the purpose so that gets you back to that same question why did god create you so then take everything we were just talking about you know, uh, Toby was talking about, uh, you know, to bring God glory. Um, so you, you ask, line up 10 Christians. Why did God create you? And they, they're, you're probably going to get answers like to worship him, to bring him glory, to bring others to him, whatever, whatever, whatever. My answer is much, 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 much simpler than that. Why did God start this whole thing? I believe it's because he had an excess of something he needed somewhere to give it. So he needed. And it's called love. Or let's just say he wanted. Yeah. He was so full of love, he wanted to share it. Yeah. He had to create a creature with whom he could share it. So he, they had to be made in his image and likeness, a shade off of God, as the Psalms say. So here's the dilemma. I, you know, uh, Kierkegaard, I think, talked about this. Here's God. He, I want to create a creature that will love me, that I can love and will love me. Yeah. The only way that can happen is if they have the freedom to make choices. And therein lies the garden. Therein lies... W- w- here's, a, here's a question for you. Why did God create us, apparently, in, in Satan's jail? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you could theologically argue which was for, which, who came first, Adam and Eve or Satan. It kind of doesn't matter. Either he was incarcerated here and God put us here, right. or we were here and he incarcerated him here. Right. Either way, he put us as cellmates with Satan. Now, why? Because the only way we can be lovers of God is if we have the freedom to make choices. The only way we can have the freedom to make choices is if there's an option other than God. So, would you say outside of sin? I mean, outside of Satan, Adam and Eve wouldn't have sinned. Like, it, there, uh, there, I think of I think of of sin as is like the the pull of gravity. Yeah. I think one day we're we're going to be delivered from the presence of sin. And I believe one day there will be no pull away from the presence of God. Well, a lot of a lot of uh, anti-God people and atheists would say the dumbest thing ever was to put a tree right there and say, "Oh, can't touch that." You but know? that's why. But that's what I mean. Intellectually, we've got to deal with that. And I don't think we have. Right. I don't think we've ever properly yeah, wrestled to the ground. Why did he do that? How and can he you have? For, how can you have free will though if you have no choices to make? Like if there were right. no, if there was no tree, there was no choice. That's exactly what I'm saying. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. I agree. So, but let me say something about the glory thing. God's not an egotistical rock star that needs people screaming his name. That's absurd, and it 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 offends me that people would think that we're going to spend eternity just singing and shouting God's name. That's absurd. What it says about Him and His character. God's greatest delight is to share his beauty, to share his abundance, to share everything he has. The trick is we just got to say, yes, we want that. Yes, sir. And I have no way of acquiring it on my own. And and that's the beauty. That's what I love about the gospel. The gospel is just the the antidote to all that's wrong with us. And, and it's so beautiful. Uh, all right, so since this is, uh, let's see, I'll, I'll call myself part owner of this podcast, and so I get to, <laughs> okay. 
say what I want to say and make all the Calvinists mad and none of them can say anything back. So you're going to be yelling and screaming in your car and I won't hear you. And wouldn't so you be totally, predestined to say that? Yeah. So <laughs> to- Toby, you're their only hope. I know that you feel like you're not an extreme Calvinist, but if you really care about these people, you will speak on behalf of them. All right, so the oh, first Lord. one I want to throw out there, common grace. This is a perfect example of how if you go extreme with Calvinism, you got to make up stupid crap like common grace. Common grace would say, oh, well, the people that are destined to hell, God still shows them love by letting them experience a sunrise, a sunset, family, candy, vacations. You still get to enjoy earth. That's the dumbest thing ever. Like how how that's not even loving at all to say, you know what? I'm going to let you enjoy this snapshot of an existence because I'm loving. I'm loving to everyone, but you're going to spend eternity in hell. That's stupid. You can't you can't call something common grace and take yourself serious. Dumb dumb. All right, let me answer that one. The only the only pushback I would have to that is if your definition of hell is just fire, torment, agony, awfulness. If your definition of torment is, I want to be without God, and that is what you are even potentially made to be, then you would have fulfilled and be in the place that you were made to be. Right. So, I mean, that once again, I believe, I mean, hell is the mo- one of the most debated things in the world, and I have no official stance on it. I really don't. I, don't I, I, in I, I, I almost feel like I go back and forth, though. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, I do not believe in flames, and then sometimes I'm like, yeah. The way Jesus talks, it seems a little bit like that. But I do believe that common grace thing could potentially be okay in the sense of God love created you. You do get breath. You do get life. You do get awareness of consciousness and all that stuff. And then if you were created not for heaven, then you might would even be living to your potential, which sounds absurd, I know, and might even be. But I'm just putting that out there. Cool. All Good right, job keep going. speaking on behalf of the Calvinists. All right, Calvinists are going to shred me. You know, I'm going to get so many bad comments. I'm the dumbest person in the whole world. To, to, I have to freely admit that I looked a lot of this on the internet and not even my ideas. To, Toby, do you believe, like a, a Calvinist would believe, in irresistible grace? Yeah, that you cannot resist God? Yeah. Uh, that seems to be the case for me. I guess I would I guess I would lean that way is what I would say for sure. Wouldn't you have Only to, because... Well, yeah, and just because, like, I'm, you know, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Like, that will happen at some point, even at the judgment. And so I do believe if that happens there, why would it happen here? And I believe fully, like, no matter what, if God made himself known to you, you could not resist it. It would be overwhelming. I mean, there is nothing you could do. Like, I, I used this analogy with somebody the other day, or it's actually been a while back, but um, if there was a, a humongously large man, a seven-foot, giant, massive man getting ready to kill you, you would do whatever it took to save your life. You, if, if it took begging or whatever, you would admit, that guy can take my life, and I will submit to that he could take my life. I Please do not take my life. I ask you, you you can do this to me don't and i i don't think you could you can resist like like that idea of some something so much bigger and stronger that can do anything to you what could you say nah i mean god could do anything in in any instant to you or for you and i don't see how you could resist that well here here's why i asked the question because it's been you know i've I've pondered this stuff over the years because you know you, you get you hear guys doing messages and you get in discussions so the whole concept of irresistible grace has to mean saving grace 
because I know a whole lot of people that believe in Calvinism that sure resist his grace after they get saved. In other words, Calvinism says if God wants you saved, you can't not be saved. Now, you can live like the devil after you're saved. So it's irrational to me that grace, the wooing and drawing and power of God's Spirit on you, is irresistible when it comes to your personally missing hell and making heaven. But as far as how you live one day after the other, you can tell God's grace to go pound sand. That just that's absurd to me. So like a sanctifying grace is what you're saying. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like it's like his saving grace is irresistible. His sanctifying, uh, I'll, you can take it or leave it. Apparently. Yeah. Well, this Toby, man, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But I would say that at, that is, I don't think after you've met God and asked Him into your heart truly and had a real Holy Spirit experience. And ask God that you are the same. You might still sin and, and even be unaware of some of your sins, but I don't think it's like you get saved. And you go, oh man, now I get to heaven, so I'm going to go kill people and drink and party. Uh, well, and, I don't mean do kill people, stuff. but have you ever had a moment where you knew exactly what God wanted you to do and you didn't do it? Yeah, for sure. Was that not resisting His grace? Yeah, but one month later, it was. I had to do it. <laughs> Well, I, I won't go into the story I, I, here, but like it, it was, it was only irresistible for my finite amount of time. Like it wasn't, it, and so I don't think it was irresistible for my life. So in that instance, there was a definite time where I was called to speak to somebody, and I said, "Oh no, I'm not," and I put it off, and even went on tour and all this stuff. And then when I got back, it was there was no way of uh, around it. God forced it to happen. So I, I do think that it. it Irresistible would only be a finite thing in that sense. It wouldn't be unlimited to where the rest of your life you kind of live freely and no worry. God's going to welcome you right in. If that's the case, I do believe that 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 person most likely isn't saved or didn't have the real experience. Okay, if that's the case, here's my big dilemma. If that's the case, why 2,000 years post-Calvary is the church so impotent? If gradually, inch by inch, God gets us to obey, why are we so pitifully representing him in the earth today? Yeah, I, you're right. I mean, I, there's not much I can argue with that. You're, you're I would right. say I mean, his it, grace is pretty irresistible. I mean, pretty resistible. That's good stuff. That, that is a really good point. I, I agree with you. I, I, that, that makes a lot of sense that the world would be better at this point um, if just 10 of us obeyed him on a regular basis. But here's what I would say. Once again, the only pushback I could possibly think of is uh, still from our limited view. Imagine if if grace was resistible, how bad would the world be? Like uh, uh, Only because, I mean, if, if there are people that might con- actually be made not for heaven and, and they don't care or whatever or whatever sin is in the world – I mean, I, I believe fully that I am not the person that I was one minute ago, ten minutes ago, but definitely not ten years ago. And so even though it, to me it's a minute, and to the world, actually, to my wife, my changes are minute, I am a lot better. I really am. I, I, I do care more. I do try harder. I do do sure. those things. So I would say the value of that is probably way larger than I actually think. But, yeah, it still is pretty bad. You're right. And I think, too, that, that – uh 
you know, Calvinists would presuppose that the sin nature has rendered us completely unable to, you know, to to receive right. grace on our own. So I think it comes back to presuppositions. What does a sin nature really mean? How extreme is it? And so they deal with it one way, and then Armenians or free willers will deal with it a different way. Yeah. All right, so next uh, area of picking on um, my Calvinist friends. So I have a lot of dear friends. So I'm just kind of being trippy right now. But the concept of and this, really I think goes, I'm your actually your only Calvinist friend. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> and, I, Andy, I, and I'm not even really Andy's wife. Yeah, I'm not even really Calvinist. Yeah, Andy Christianer is. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Andy, all right. No, I can think of a lot of them actually. But here's so, people are going to destroy me on this podcast. You know what they're going to say on both sides? They're going to say I'm terrible, and I think people are going to hell, and they deserve it. And then the Calvinists are going to go, "You totally butchered Calvinism." All right, You're so a listen, terrible. you have this. There's no way this isn't the case. So imagine me tying my son William to a chair. All right, which you've done several times. Go ahead, <laughs> and I say, and I say, son. Come to your father. All right? And he's tied up, so he can't do it. Son, come to me. Please, come to me. All right, so apparently, and and I've studied the Calvinist point of view, Jesus is saying, hey, come to me, believe in me, but for people to be able to do that, he has to birth that in their heart. So he's saying, come to me, but no one can respond to that until he does something. So that means the people that he does not do that to, they can't even come to him, but he's still teasing slash saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. So that would be, to me, the equivalent of saying, William, come to me. He doesn't come to me. He can't come to me because I don't birth anything in his heart. In other words, I don't tie the ropes loose, and I start slapping him, and I start beating him saying, oh, I told you to come, but you didn't come, so now there's punishment for you. And... uh, you know, I've been in conversations with people that believe in predestination. They they say, "Oh, that analogy is there's so many holes in that." I mean, everyone, uh, you know, basically is is tied in that chair, and no one wants to be untied. And so God rescues the ones that He, you know, basically. <laughs> I just had a mockery voice to all the nice work. <laughs> you are a but, jerk. But basically, there's no way of getting around that if He doesn't make a way out for some of those kids that are tied up. I mean, and, and then, you know, you, you have the whole lake analogy. So there's a bunch of kids drowning, and not only do you have a guy with a pole that's putting a pole and bringing some kids in, you have some kids that are trying to grab the pole, and you're basically hitting them away from it. Because there are definitely people that, uh, you know, that, that seek God. So See, I think, uh, I think there, though, the uh, the counter to that argument would be, that you are anthropomorphizing God, you're making God in man's image, and again, it's that, oh, whole, totally. emotion, yeah. it's that whole emotional thing that Toby was talking about. Yeah, yeah, but I, I do think there has to be some, when God speaks our language, He, I mean, even he does that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, so yeah. he uses those sorts of, but, but I, I see what you're coming from. But I think, yeah, a, a more uh, accurate analogy would be you tied your son up, and he's tied to a chair, and you say, come to me, but you also gave him a knife to cut out, and he just doesn't want to use it. You know what I mean? Like, like he just goes, yeah, I don't care. Like, I, I do think that's the case. Like, I, I, I believe fully, uh, and, and this goes back to why I can't be fully Calvinist and what Chip was saying, that irresistible grace or whatever. There, there are times in my life where I go, I know that I'm about to sin, or I know this isn't right. <laughs> what, I, what I'm feeling or doing or looking at or thinking about right now is not right. 
and I will still do it. And, and you know, I mean, I will go there. And and so with with that being said, I don't. It, the the hardest thing for me is I I, I you're right. Going back to the, even the beginning statements of I don't think we can fully see it. And if that's the case, then how in the world do I get myself to heaven? That's what I can't do. So I, my whole basis for if I, if I even fall on that Calvinist side at all would be I believe God has to do everything for us. I mean, Jesus in the Bible, he didn't go into huge theological debates with people or anything. He kept just – it was like he said the simplest things ever. Like, it, it, like we, are, we are so ignorant to good that God – had to become a man, come down here and look us in the eye and go, listen, just love your neighbor like yourself. <laughs> you know, it wasn't See, that's where I about think, pro. Yeah, and that's where I think, too, that having this predestination or Calvinist perspective is healthy. What Toby's saying is we can't do anything on our own. We, we, we definitely need Jesus Christ as our Savior. So I think that when it comes to your personal walk, your personal relationship with Christ, then having that, that particular part of that perspective will definitely help you in your walk. So I like that. Yeah. I respect that a whole, a whole, a whole great deal. You know, I mean, I think that's the way to to, to approach it. Yeah. You know, uh, another thing that supports my, the way I feel about a lot of this stuff is, um, you know, there's only one person that's ever walked the earth that could say things like this: If you've seen me, observed me, felt me, touched me, heard me teach, watched me interact, you've seen the Father. In other words, everything I said and did was a reflection and display of what my father in heaven is like the the visible son made the invisible god visible and i see no signs of discrimination predetermination oh you know dude i'm sorry i can't pray for you you're not the elect i i checked my my file and you're not on it there's just none of that there there's so many scriptures where all who came to him uh he you get the sense of of this almost lustful caged animal that i finally get to touch these people that i love so much and nothing can get between me and them but them themselves and i love that about our god i love i love seeing jesus and how ravenously he loved and pursued people but yet there were moments he was frustrated. He goes to his own hometown and he can't do anything there. Why? Oh, it wasn't God's will that day. That's not what it says. Because of their w- lack of willingness to believe this guy's who he said he was and he'll do what he said he will do. In other words, their, their, their self-reliance on their cracked up theories and, and to me that's one of the best ways I think about this whole, this whole subject. I don't see Jesus. He he didn't say no very often. Yeah. He just didn't. He basically, Jesus, will you do this for me? Yeah. Jesus, will you do it? Yeah. Jesus, will you do it? Yeah. The only people he got ticked at were the ones who thought they had it all figured out. Yeah. Yeah, Jared, I mean, you know, what you said as far as that being at least a healthy stance from the standpoint of us not having any ability to do anything for ourselves. I, I believe that. I don't think any of us has the ability to do anything for ourselves, but I think all of us, I, I think the difference, though, is I believe that all of us can grab hold of what Jesus has done for us to help ourselves, whereas the Calvinists would say, no, we can't even do that. 
So I believe that everybody okay. has a present sitting on the table that all we have to do is, is open up because we truly are desperate for a Savior. And right. there's access for everyone. But then some people, like Toby said, they're just like, yeah, I want to do my own thing. I don't want God. But they can accept him. And so that goes to my last category. Well, that's definitely Arminianism. I mean, yeah, Calvinism so. would say you don't have that choice. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, can I say one thing, Joey? Yeah. You know, this is going to make me sound Calvinist. I do believe this, Toby or whoever. If you ever really, really see God the way he really is, he is irresistible. The problem is we, his agents in the earth, are not making that very common. So I don't think the issue is that his grace is or isn't irresistible. I think there's not enough of it on display. So that kind of puts things in the human's. Uh, hands as far as the, the church's responsibility? I mean... God forbid. It sure looks like that's what Jesus did. So are, are you talking supernaturally or naturally? I'm talking all of the above. Okay. Because I, I, mean, I, I agree with you in the sense that if we saw God on a supernatural level for what he really, really is, transcendent of our you know finite sphere, yes. But I don't think the church can necessarily do that. That's just my opinion. Ugh, heavy stuff. All right, so last thing that I want to say uh, to uh, oppose the traditional view of Calvinism is total depravity. And I think I'll just point out two flaws in my opinion. And, you know, this makes me, I don't, I would agree with Toby that I think most of the people that would argue strongly against me are probably a lot smarter. But I will say this, that I have approached this subject certainly with open hands and at Joey, one you're point, very I thought smart. To myself, man, I I am going to be a Calvinist. Like I, I the writings on the wall. I'm going to read through the Old Testament. And that's going to win me over completely and have <laughs> the complete opposite effect. I read the Old Testament. I was like, holy crap! Everyone has had choices. Like this is just unbelievable. How it's a completely different picture than I assumed would happen. So, uh, total depravity means that no one can choose God because we can't see God. We're totally dead. Like we're completely dead. I'll just pick, I mean, I've got 10 of them, but I'll just pick two. One of them is when Adam and Eve sinned, they, on paper, I think they were in total depravity, and yet they still interacted with God. They still uh, received from God. They still knew enough to be ashamed. Like, they had to cover themselves up, so they recognized. So you're saying post-fall, right? Post-fall. Okay, Post-fall, they... Post fall, they hid. Right. So they weren't. They were. They didn't just. They, their knowledge of God wasn't obliterated. They didn't need God to say, "Hey, remember me? I'm still existing." No, they were totally depraved, but not in the sense of not knowing who God was. Just in the sense of being able to rescue themselves. And then, secondly, Romans one eighteen says, "The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the daggum truth by their wickedness." You can't suppress truth if you don't know truth. So I think those two things right there are enough for me. I don't believe that total depravity means that you're dead to a knowledge of God, dead to being able to respond to God or or anything like that. But, uh, Toby, what say you? All right, cool. Well, that uh, (laughs) – You're so articulate, Toby. (laughs) Well, I mean – 
that last point you made, I, w- I would just say, I mean, obviously they did know the truth. The reason why they ran and hid is because they knew they were in trouble and that God was going to lay it down, and he did. So, I mean, it, there was going to be some kind of retribution there or, or you know, punishment. And so I would say just because, uh, I mean, this goes into a big thing, and I want to clarify here. I don't stand hard on, I think that some people are meant for destruction and some people are meant for heaven. Like That is a hard thought for me. And I believe, just like Jared said, that's an emotional thing with me. I mean, if, if it comes down to that, but I mean, the, the idea of and what somebody would chastise me for is if I live my whole life as a Christian, then yeah, I wasn't one of the elect and I went to hell. I just don't believe that to be the case. I believe for me, no matter what, I have tried unbelievably amounts, uh, an amount of times in my life to say there is no God. I will be God of my life. I will choose my own path. I will do my own thing. And somehow God's grace and forgiveness and love and interest in my life and care and fathership of me and Lord of my life constantly battles back in and comes back to where I cannot get away from Jesus. I just cannot. I believe the world is fallen and terrible and needs a Savior. That's that, that, that's the biggest point of the Bible that I get. Every single person in the Bible all the way through needs a Savior. They don't quite get it right. It doesn't matter how good they are, Mother Teresa, whatever, greatest person ever lived besides Jesus, whatever. They need a Savior because something gets you. One thing gets you no matter what, and you're set up there from from our forefathers of Adam and Eve uh, that we are susceptible to that. So I would say you do know the truth, and I think when I say that, I believe even the super evil people know that and uh choose to do that because it is wrong like it, it, it's some kind of high or some kind of perversion that they get off on or something like that so I, so for me I don't think that total depravity to me I would say more likely is or, or a better definition would be you can't get out of it you're not getting out of it there is no chance you're getting out of your own sin you beat this sin the next one pops up you beat that sin the next one pops up and each each one of those is God just taking his time weeding out weeding it out weeding it out weeding it out and changing you until eventually you die and you go to heaven and then you'll be weeded out for forever but that's where i would say so you're saying then that you disagree with maybe the hardline calvinist who says that um total depravity means you can't even recognize truth is because hmm. i think what joey's yeah, saying is I, that, yeah yeah i guess i disagree with that okay i, okay. I believe uh, but to an extent, I'm not that far off from God might have potentially made people for his wrath and some people not. Ugh. I know that Joey would say that I, I am butchering that verse in Scripture, but I would say, uh, I mean, to, to, to me, I believe I know truth and I don't know how. So just like my faith was given to me by God, I believe truth was given to me by God, and so I, I see things, and then I pervert them for my own personal pleasure and gain because that's all I can do. You know what I mean? Like there, there's truth, and if if I if I want to do something selfish, then I have to pervert that truth in order to get some kind of high or some kind of pleasure out of it. Or yeah, something but I think like that. So, yeah. So I think though that total depravity, according to the hardline Calvinists, would say that due to your total depravity, you are unable to accept salvation through your own free will. And that's what you're saying, or you you disagree with that? I, uh, man, I'm, I feel like I'm walking a double line. <laughs> I don't think that you can do anything without God. So without God, 
you yeah total depravity okay. i think so yeah. basically so, toby's I mean, viewpoint guys i, I do is, think you're i mysterious. guess i agree with it in a sense toby's a mystery guy <laughs> he can't reconcile the two so he sees it just as a great mystery Good i'm kind job. of in the I, same way no i'm kind I of with toby too. on this <laughs> well i mean you, I, I i believe it like i mean even the bible says that you can't without god giving you faith you don't even you know god gives you your faith yeah, he ge- he gives you all this stuff, and so if that's the case, if I grew up on an island, uh, you know, just with two parents who knew nothing about God or anything, and we just were a lot, I don't, I mean, it would take God coming to that island and telling me about Himself, right? And that's what the gospel is: spreading the gospel and sharing the gospel and, and preaching the gospel. So, I, for me, I do think I need an interaction from God to get out of my sinful state. Otherwise, I'm going to live a life of pleasure for myself. I, I will be God or Lord of my life. I think. Yeah, and I, I do want to state for the record, too, to protect my uh, reputation and to make me look like a really good guy, that I basically, I am definitely focusing on a lot of the areas where I feel strongly on. I'd say I have more questions than answers to the point where I definitely think with salvation, what does frustrate me are people that pretty much every nut and bolt, they have it figured out. They're just like, oh, well, this and that, this and that. Oh, There's sure. got to be some questions here. And I think that's the frustrating thing to me, and I'll go ahead and say it, and I'm going to be the jerk, but that's the problem I have with Reformed theology is most people, it seems, once you go there, it's like, nope, this is how we figured it out, and there's no wiggle room, there's no mystery, it's clear in the Bible, here you go. If you disagree, well, then you just don't have eyes to see, and that to me is uh, pretty frustrating. I agree. All right, well, good discussion, everybody. Chip, you want to say anything else? Toby, anybody? I think I'm good, man. All right. Well, thank God you, guys. <laughs> been fun. <laughs> I I do want to say, for everybody that's going to write terrible, mean things about me, <laughs> just don't. <laughs> Pray to the Lord before you do that, and just don't. You, uh, do you I think get it. I am a dummy. Are you going to hear it from the Calvinists? Or? Well, I mean, first of all, the host of this show invited me, not an expert, on to be the Calvinist side. <laughs> I mean, what kind of host is that? Hey, Stuck dude, you're not totally desk. Calvinist, and you're just thinking it through, and I'm going to have you on as the expert. I'm not, <laughs> I mean, what, what kind of host are you, Joey? It's just terrible. You gave as good a, a good of an answer to all the questions. You just don't sound as arrogant and assured of yourself. Well, I appreciate there you. There you go, man. So... Yeah, no, but honestly, you do. You, what what is definitely unique about you that does fall in line with some hardcore Calvinists is it doesn't seem to bother you that much that God would destine a bunch of people for hell. To you, it's just like, well, He's God. I mean, how can we figure that out? And that that's definitely well. The reason I would different. say that though is 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 because I believe if that were the case, and I'm not saying that it is. But if that were the case, that means that those people's full potential to be fully what they were created to be would fulfill itself in hell. <laughs> that sounds so terrible. Such a beautiful thing. Gosh, that sounds. <laughs> well, could we, we end on that but pretty that's picture? What I'm that, no, what, what I'm saying, though, is, I mean, the, the, the potter makes the, you know, one for uh, good use, one for bad use or whatever. Uh, I, I just, I think... For me, I, I just I really do align with God is such an amazing God. He is in such control and cares so much that He has this framework that we fall into. And I 
I, like, I don't question gravity. I'm not like, man, shoot, I don't want to be held to the ground this far. I mean, sometimes I do when I try to dunk at basketball and fail miserably. But I'm just saying that's just me being a human and questioning it. But I don't, I mean, I don't question really that I breathe air or any of those things unless it affects me negatively. But God created everything and did everything, so I'm helpless to his creation. I really am. I mean, I'm not going to fly off into the space and be okay. You know what I mean? Like I, there, there are a ton of things that I don't get control of. So I don't, I don't totally, uh, go with, with, I get a choice in the biggest point of my whole life, which is to choose God or not. I think God has a say in unless that too, he wants so. you to have the say in it. And well, that'll wrap it up. Hey, if you do want to email Toby, email him at five tulip morel at come on that's five tulip morel <laughs> hey joey you can take your hey you can take your two lips and put them on my butt <laughs> <laughs> awesome guys thanks for listening